Beneath the sun-soaked rivers of Hawaii, there dwells a fascinating fish with tenacious tendencies. After being born, the Stimson's goby is swept out to sea, far from its ancestral home. But major changes to its body force it to return to the land of its forefathers to find the food it so desperately craves. And that means surmounting some huge Hawaiian obstacles. But the goby fish shows us that we too can face our mountains here in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's 30 minutes of interesting animal info for you. And I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. And today we're talking about a fish with a green fin, a bright personality, and a future with an upward trajectory, but more on that later. Everything's looking up. Uh Uh-huh. Future's so bright, he needs, like, tiny little sunglasses. It's really cute. (laughs) Uh, Don't spoil the major fact. (laughs) They manufacture and wear sunglasses. Yeah, and wear sunglasses. It's uh, really hard because they don't have ears. <laughs> um, yeah, we're talking about the goby fish. Not just any goby fish. A specific one. A Pacific one. Hmm. Both. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about... Some names? Yeah. Well, this is the uh, Stimson's goby. That probably doesn't mean anything to you. Um, <laughs> but is also called the Nopoli... Nopoli, Nopoli, rock climbing goby. So the Nopoli rock climbing goby or the Opunopoli. Actually, if it's Hawaiian, it's probably Opunopoli. No, Nopoli. that um, that glottal stop is indicated by a uh, an apostrophe. But every vowel is pronounced. So maybe it's Opo, Opo, uh, not O, not, uh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, but we're going to call it here the Waterfall Wriggler, the Gobi Dessert, if you're a heron, and <laughs> the Stimsons. <laughs> okay, you have to say that every time when you refer to it. No, I don't want to. I'm not a huge fan of that show. <laughs> Futurama's better. Yeah, Futurama is better. Let's talk about what science calls it. What does science call it? What does Mr. Science call it? Call it a fish. Hmm. But they have some other names. Uh, Kingdom, you know it. You love it. You're right up inside it. Animalia. Ew. <laughs> Phylum chordata, it is a bony fish, so it has a spine. Mm-hmm. Class, Actinoptergy, we've been here before. Actually, non-bony fish also have spines, but whatever. I don't believe that. Carlos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, order. Well, it has a spine. It's a bony fish, so it definitely has yeah, a spine. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Uh, order, uh, gobiforms. Gobiformes. Both. Go before me. <laughs> Neil, Neil beformes. <laughs> uh, family, oxudersidae. Oxudersidae? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that sounds good to me, oxudersidae. There's a yeah. joke in there somewhere. Yeah, I can't somewhere. Find it. I, I like these <laughs> that end with day. It's yeah. just fun. <laughs> uh, genus Cicopterus. Or Cicopterus? Would you say yo? Cicopterus. Oh, you think that Y makes that C a soft Like C. cycle? Yeah, interesting. And then Stimpsoni is the species name. So Cicopterus Stimpsoni. 
Yep, another one of these that is named after some dude who found it, and they tacked an I on the end of the name. <laughs> so Pink Floydy, Sony. What was the other one? The last one. Oh, um, the tree kangaroo. Yeah. There's just an I at the end of that guy's name. Yes. Let's, yeah. let's describe this thing. But we we do cater to the blind with this audio yeah. medium. Uh, the, the goby is a slender fish with a rounded face and an unflappable determination. They're tan, white, black, brown, bespeckled, and mottled. With a T. What's the difference between those last two things? Bespeckled is like small specks. Mottled can be spots, smudges, smears. It's just not consistent. Speckled is very consistent. Yes. Uh, They have a small dorsal and tail fins, uh, large fan-like pectoral fins, a broad adipose fin... And a broad pelvic fin that runs the length of their body. Okay. Uh, and males may display more brilliant colors like red, blue, and green. Yeah, I heard it uh, actually changes. But with... more on that later. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> their, their mouths are located on the lower side of their uh, heads and help suck up algae. But more on that later. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of teasers. Uh, so we, this brings us to wh- how big could it be, you know? We're here already. We're here already. We just got settled. What would you rather hear? Um, like where it is? It's coming later. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> no. This is this is part of the description. We need to know how big oh. it is. Or else they're going to be imagining like Noah, uh, Jonah-sized whales. Noah-sized whales, too. That, Noah be... didn't really have to worry about the fish. Yeah, but that's a small whale if it's the size of Noah. Uh, that's a lo- I mean, compared to other fish? Whales aren't fish. Neither was the guy from Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fish. No. Oh, yeah, it was a fish, not yeah. a whale. Sure. I, they didn't have that level of taxonomy back then. <laughs> Well, they, we could it could have been a fish. Not having this conversation. <laughs> uh, all right. So, measuring up. That's the name of this segment without the ing. Measure yes. up. Well, that brings us to the listeners' most favoritest part of the show. Part of the show that's introduced by you, a listener. And sometimes those listeners listen from right outside this door. Because this week, we're introduced by one... Yoshi, who you'll remember from episode one of this show, <laughs> yeah. was uh, was barking regularly throughout the episode. Yes. And he usually just sits and mopes outside the door waiting for this uh, us to be done recording so that he can get some nice, good scritches. <laughs> I think, has he been inside? Yeah, he's he sometimes sits underneath our legs, but then it gets really noisy when he moves around, so we've kicked him out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so uh, this episode is episode of Measure Up within an episode of Me- uh, Life, Death, and Taxonomy is introduced by Yoshi. Uh, without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. <laughs> Boisterous. It's kind of more of just like a loud bark. I think I heard it. A little bit of Chewbacca thrown in there. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, I think I heard Measure Up. At least in a, a dog, a dogish dialect. Sure, I'm sure it was Measure Up in dogish. Yeah. It would, be, right, it would be great to hear some humans say it, though. 
Yeah. Just saying. Would, yeah. We, it literally took you four seconds to record that and send it to the, the email. Yeah. Actually, we realized we had no measure ups. And so, yeah, it took me not very long to rile Yoshi up enough to say measure up with human words. No, just <laughs> to, to, to bark into my uh, app. And then I just pressed the send button and it went to inbox. And then I typed in ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. I didn't have to type it. I have it saved. <laughs> and then I pressed send and it was done. I did it. It took me 30 seconds. By the end of this explanation, you could have sent it already. Yeah, yeah. You could have sent two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on to length or move or start with length. Uh, they're about 19.8 centimeters or 7.8 inches. Wow, how did that happen? The 0.8 on both, the centimeters and inches. Impossible. Uh, Math doesn't allow it. <laughs> how many Gobi fish go into the length of the Gobi Desert? The length? Yeah. Like east to west? Yeah, so it's there's a, it, there's a length and then there's a width, and the width is shorter than the length. So the longest from one point of it to the other. Okay. It's like, how long is the United States? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, from furthest point to the furthest point, or like, up to down, or left to right? Sure. We'll I would imagine right. it would be from west to east, or east to west, if it was the U.S., but I don't know about the Gobi Desert. Moscow to Beijing. Doesn't stretch that far. It's pretty big. It's very cold. Yeah, speaking of which, here's the main, here's the, here's, here's the hint. Uh, the Gobi Desert can reach temperatures of negative 40 degrees Celsius, which is also, incidentally, negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit. There are so many coincidences in this. <laughs> uh, in the winter, and then 45 degrees Celsius and 113 degrees Fahrenheit in the summer. That's a huge range. Yeah, it is. Deserts, man. Deserts be like very flaky. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I have no con- concept for this. I'm gonna say two thousand miles. How big is this thing? Seven point eight inches. <laughs> Seven point eight inches. So I'm just gonna make it a half a foot and then just tack on a bunch at the end. And there are what five thousand feet in a ish in a in a mile, so that's ten thousand ish gobies in a mile. And I said two thousand miles. Uh huh. So we're looking at what twenty million, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna put a bunch extra on there because of how much I shaved off for the half and half a foot. Um, and we will call it 30 million gobies. The Gobi Desert is 1,000 miles. Oh, so 15 million gobies. <laughs> I only have 8 million plus. Oh, really? Well, did you round up to 10 inches? I, no, I rounded down to 6 inches. What? How because does this happen? Also, I... I severely estimated on how many feet go into a mile. I said 5,000. Oh. <laughs> uh, so let's move on to the genus size. There are 37 species in this 
Sisopterus genus. The yeah, Sisopterus. Yes. This sounds like it's going to be complicated. How many Gobi genera go into the population of Hawaii? Oh, this is less complicated than uh-huh. You didn't say like, hey, if the entire genus was one pound, how many <laughs> would go into how long? Uh, uh, the day is. Clinton was in office or something like that. Uh, here's a hint. The, hu- the first human settlers to Hawaii probably arrived around 300 AD. So now you know how long they've been there. So that's how long they've had to populate the island. And then Western Americans being able to populate the island, that was also Helpful. also contributed. Yeah. How, so how many are there now? How like many what? The population of Hawaii now? Oh, let me just tell you that. No, no, that you're asking what it, what it yes. like compared <laughs> to what it is now. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to go with um, 500,000 people. I don't want to guess now that I have the numbers. <laughs> but you've already guessed one of the numbers. I know, but now I can at least get close if I'm if I guess twice then I've doubled my chances of getting it way wrong. True. It's 500,000 divided by 37. I'm going to say 6,500. So, um the population of Hawaii is 400 uh 427,538 plus 1 million. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. It's actually 1,427,000 people. Uh, oh, you got me with that one. 446,000 genuses or genera. That's the correct answer. Okay. Well, I was way off. You did it. You made it through. Um, no, that, I didn't. That's the important I'm thing. I'm kind of, kind of banged up from it. <laughs> Uh, let's get into some fast facts. Wasn't an easy passage. Um, that will take us downstream to the major fact later on. Kind of passed like a kidney stone. <laughs> uh, so they are endemic to Hawaii, like you said, and its surrounding waters. The fish is amphidromus, which is a cool word. That means that it migrates between freshwater and saltwater. I was thinking it was going to be amphidromus. But I think I like... The emphasis can be on any syllable. Any English-speaking country might have a different way of saying it. Syllable. Um, so juveniles eat plankton in the ocean until they migrate into freshwater streams. After this, their development causes their mouth to change in a way that makes plankton eating impossible. Their mouths move from a forward-facing position uh, to the underside of their head. So they would just be floating around, bumping into plankton that's floating in a sea, rather than eating it. Uh, So instead, they become benthic feeders, which means they eat organisms on the bottoms of rivers and lakes in the benthic zone. Which is the bottoms of rivers and lakes (laughs) and oceans. And any any floor of a body of water is benthic? Benthic zone, Benth- stuff that grows and like lives in a benthic zone means they live on like sea floors and ocean, like lake floor- floors. So like the lamprey at the bottom of the Mariana Trench, and also like a snail in the lake near this. Ha- my house is also they're both in the benthic zone. In a benthic zone. Okay. <laughs> it 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 mostly refers to like organisms that can be found on like. They're not f- floating around in, like, 
tidal pools or in free floating in the open water. They're stuck to the bottom. Right. They they rely on the bottom and okay. stuff that goes in the bottom. The bottom feeders. Yeah. Uh, they have um, green fins, like I mentioned in the intro, in that they cultivate underwater gardens of algae. Green fins. Yeah. Ah. They don't actually have green fins uh, in color. They encourage the growth of algae on rocks and boulders in fast-moving streams because fast-moving streams get rid of all the sediments and stuff that would be on top of the water. I mean, on top of the boulders and stuff that would cause algae to not grow. They're like, hey, algae, you got this. <laughs> well, You are inspiring. I had to use the, word, the verb encourage because for the life of me, I could not find out what they specifically did to... to to encourage this. Me neither. <laughs> so I even went I went to the like I, I read through this big like study on the biology of the Gobi fish and all it said was that they cultivate algae. And I was like yeah. But how? Yeah, with like what a tiny plow? <laughs> do they have a little trowel? Yeah, I doubt it. Do they do they like distribute their fertilizer well? Do they do practice crop rotation? They could poop on them rocks. That could be a thing. But in a fast-moving stream, I would assume it would just flow away. You would also think that if that were the case, they would have mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. I but think they're... They said it was to the point where, like, if you see these algae patches, you pretty much know that a goby fish is there. Right. That's their territory. So how do they know they just don't find it and protect it? I don't know. Well, Maybe if that's you're a scientist that studies goby fish, please let us know. Please. Um, that what? How fortuitous it would be that you're listening to this episode. <laughs> you d- you might have done a Google search. You're an expert on goby fish, and you're like, I'm going to listen to these two guys talk about goby fish <laughs> yeah. for a little bit. <laughs> like, what are the rabble talking about when they talk about goby fish? I want to know what the common man thinks of the What's goby. What's the plebeian view of goby fish? <laughs> you're all wrong. <laughs> um, so... Males will zealously and jealously guard their gardens like they are 500-pound French beasts cursed with a red rose. I get it. Good, good because there's more coming. Uh, these gardens also become part of their courtship displays attracting females like their French bookworms with Stockholm Syndrome. I don't get that one. Well, I don't think you got the first one then. <laughs> I thought the first one was Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, so is the second one. Who's a French bookworm? Bell. Oh, I was picturing an actual worm. <laughs> I was you bookworm from Toy Story 3. No, bookworm, like someone who likes books. Got it. Um, Got it. <laughs> who's the worm in that movie? Yeah I, don't re- yeah, I don't remember there being a worm in that one. Um, males have color-changing skin that can display brilliant colors and literally change with their mood. They are mood fish. They have mood skin. Yeah. Oh, he's got to get those emotional fish looks some like mood he's skin. feeling blue today. <laughs> get it? Yeah. Okay. I get it. Females lay they eggs. They have green fins and they're feeling blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Females lay eggs on rocks and new hatchlings are swept down streams into the sea before they can even say, how do you do? Literally, they're born and they sweep into the ocean. They're not strong enough to not be swept into the ocean. They're not. And then that's... Where they grow and develop, eat a bunch of plankton, 
their mouths move, and then they start all over again. Go back into the family business, which is... Uh, procreating and eating. Yes. Same <laughs> business. It's a high competition. Yeah. It's been in my family for years. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all I got for the fast facts. All right. It's time for the major fact. Why did we choose this fish? You know, other than the fact that it is has mood skin. And also changes its lo- the location of its mouth. <laughs> and gardens. And also gardens, yeah. So there's there a lot of things that could be major facts for this one. But that's not why the Stimson's Gobi is so well known. Um, so, like you said, they are swept downstream as soon as they're hatched. And they live in the ocean for a little bit. Kind of like a salmon. Salmon do this. They, uh-huh. they As young, they are... They, they grow up in the ocean, in salt water, and then they make their way back downtown. To, their, to their... Or uptown. Uptown. Girl. Funk, uptown funk. Okay. Because um, it's, it's funky. <laughs> um, and so while while they're in there, while they're young, like you said, they have, they have their mouths on the front of their faces like, um, like respectable fish. <laughs> and... They are eating plankton and shrimp and small fish and crustaceans and stuff like that. But as they mature, they uh, go through a metamorphosis where their mouths go underneath their faces like hideous monsters. But I don't want to yoke anybody's yak. <laughs> uh, but then that makes it in, uh, that makes them incapable of eating the things that they used to eat. They have to eat now algae, which does not grow um, in the ocean where they are they need to go to freshwater yeah so uh well they use the algae that they eat so then they need to go back to where they were born and they do using homing mechanisms that once again we don't understand every time a, an animal knows where to go <laughs> we have no idea like butterflies pigeons um the the chitin uh salmon we're just like how 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 do they know? How do they remember which stream they went up? <laughs> uh, but all we know is that they are Homer Stimpsons. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but so the salmon to go back upstream does that whole classic jumping thing that just, that gets them killed by bears. That, that it really rides on. It kind of sits on its laurels with this whole jumping thing. <laughs> it's, it's a claim to fame. Um, and, uh, yeah, it gets it killed by bears. But some of the waterfalls in Hawaii are hundreds of feet high. So you can't just jump up that, especially when you're 7.8 inches uh, long. Right. When you're just significantly smaller than the length of the Gobi Desert. Ain't no. <laughs> so how do the, these guys make it back up to their streams when they have such high obstacles to surmount? So Gobi fish have, um, all Gobi fish, their pectoral fins and bones go uh, kind of end in this disc, this bony disc that they have at the pelvis region and um for in some goby fish it is more developed than others but in the stimson's goby it is a like a legitimate sucker like it they can (laughs) you 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 can it'll it it like 
it shorts stocks, short sell <laughs> stocks. It like uh, takes out uh, cash advances on its credit. Right. Yeah. It <laughs> goes to payday loans. To, uh... <laughs> Stars. It's, it's just a sucker, um, but so the the goby fish can use this to attach to the walls. But one sucker is not enough, so that's why the average goby fish couldn't do this. Because, Otherwise, you just stick to the wall and never go anywhere. and never go anywhere. You just be stuck to the <laughs> wall right there. Um, you need a second sucker to be able to kind of to to get a second anchor and then move up, like an inchworm. That's why the mouth. Well, that's not why, but that's one of the one of the advantages of having your mouth on the underside of the body instead also of also probably front. a little bit why. Yeah, a little bit why, but it's the food source that really drove it. But I guess like just part of adaptation that like the ones that like okay now you need to eat algae and you need to make it back up that waterfall and only the ones that can make it up the waterfall can go eat the algae and not starve to death. There's something pretty poetic about you have been disadvantaged where you are, but the thing that disadvantages you advantages you to get to where you need to be. Yeah. When the Lord closes a door, (laughs) (laughs) he moves your mouth down to the bottom. When he closes a stream. (laughs) Yeah. When he makes it so that you can't eat zooplankton anymore. Yeah. Phytoplankton. I'm assuming. They probably eat both. Well, they're, they're on, they vegetarians were, when they're older. Well, they ate. They they were omnivorous at first. When you can't do that I anymore, guess. yeah, mm-hmm. because p- fish aren't usually picky. No, they kind of eat whatever they can. It's organic. Suck and it into fits their, in their gaping mouth. maws. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the fiftieth time I've dropped my notes in this uh, this show, on the sixtieth episode. Hey. Um. So. Their mouths, now located on the underside of their bodies, can also act as suckers. So, what they'll do is they will... Take out credit cards as a college student. Rack up student debt for an art history degree. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they'll do. Um, They'll swim up to the waterfall, well, the, the rock behind the waterfall, and then they'll kind of just... I didn't know he was Hawaiian. He's always behind every waterfall. <laughs> <laughs> you swim behind the waterfall, you're like, oh, hey. <laughs> and he's like, what you... can I say except you're welcome? It's like, what, what brought you here? Did you smell what I was cooking? He's making an omelet. <laughs> so anyway, they'll um, plaster their bodies along the rock wall there. And they'll start to inch their way up. They'll attach their their pelvic sucker and then kind of throw the top part of their body up and then attach their their mouth sucker and then detach their pelvic sucker and then move like kind of inch that up and then keep crawling forward. Yep. Um, sometimes upwards of 330 feet. How long does that take? I wonder. Like a good day, a good part of the day. I don't know. Like, Probably a long time. Yeah, it could take like a long time. It's the equivalent of us climbing 10,000 feet. Yeah, I did he- see that. Like, Also, so in in uh, Jamaica, I went to Jamaica and we 
climbed Dunn's River Falls. And when I say climb, it's like, it's a very, it's almost like, it's a very horizontal waterfall. It's not very vertical. So there'll be like steps up to each, it's like a staircase and there's, you know, a series of small waterfalls that go all the way down. To okay. the ocean. So it's not one waterfall, it's many. Yeah, so like... It, it is legion. It's called <laughs> falls, so... Okay. Um, so the the steps can be like three feet tall, but they can be like ten feet tall. And then there's this one, there's like an easy side and then there's a hard side. And on the hard side, there's this one where it's like a ten foot climb with water just pouring down. So you actually have to find like hand and footholds there. Other other places you just step up, mm-hmm. but here you have step to let, up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but here you just like climb with hands and footholds, and there's part of it where you are underwater, like f- water is hitting you in the face, so you, so you can't see and you can't breathe, and you're trying to find, like a you a did hand, this a handhold. Yeah, it's like it seems really dangerous. It's like a few seconds that you're doing this, and you just have to find it, and as soon as you find it, you can go back up. If you fell, you'd fall a few feet. Into water. Okay. I mean, it's not, it's very panicky when you're doing it, but it's not a serious situation. It sounds like fun. Anyway, that's ex- what they're doing the whole time. Except water is good because they breathe it. But they can't. They're out of the water. But it's running over their gills. Sometimes, not all the, not all the time. If you watch a video, like there'll be parts where water's like near them, but not on them. Yeah, so they can go for a little while without water but when water hits them they're like yeah that's good stuff <laughs> that's well it's keeping them moist definitely because of spray but there are parts probably where they're like not getting the oxygen they need or usually need right but they they can handle it and they're just slowly wriggling up i don't think they they probably just like i'm going up whether i can see or not like whether it's like there's water spraying in my face but they got to be like attached on their pretty tightly and sometimes they're just knocked off by the water wow that would be the worst thing in the world yeah but you're a fish you don't think about that stuff very much you know when you like pick up a snail and it was like it may have been working for two weeks to get to where you you put (laughs) where it was and then you just take it somewhere else you know how you always do that whenever you see a snail yeah yeah that that sucks i like to move them ahead you like to remember where they were headed and then just like like, all right we're gonna pick up pick you up and look at you because you're cool but then i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a little bit of a, a boost yeah exactly <laughs> not just take it and throw it like 10 feet in the opposite direction right like there was one time i i was in a car and i stopped for a tortoise i think it was trail. there i don't think so i think it was a lot was it in coconut creek mayor seth's house <laughs> no okay uh so i picked it up and moved it to where it was going it would have been a real jerk move to to put it on the other side of the road where it came from. And flip it upside down. <laughs> I'm not going to hit you, but I might as well have. <laughs> <laughs> Probably going to wish I had hit you. So as adults, once they're up to the stream, they need to maintain their climbing abilities. So I don't know, what do they do? Like CrossFit? But yeah. if they are swept downstream again, they have to do it again. They have to go back up because they spend the remainder of their adult lives uh, upstream. So you would think that their muscles would atrophy or they wouldn't need their pelvic suction cup anymore. 
but they have it has to be maintained otherwise they will stay downstream forever if they're accidentally swept because things can disturb the water true, true, true. imagine if you like fall asleep for a second and suddenly you're in the ocean again you're like dang it oh my gosh it's a good thing they're dumb <laughs> <laughs> It's the, for most, By human standards, for I'm most sure animals, they're very smart. They know like, how to farm, so. Yeah, this thing. They're pretty good for farms. Fish. It has emotions. Does it? Yeah, when it's blue. Oh, it's, yeah. It's sad. Moods. Yeah. Aggression. Doesn't, it probably doesn't get sad. You don't think it gets sad? No, I think it probably gets upset. It'd be, it'd be funny to, like, to see if they... If they made it like most of the way up this super high waterfall and then they get hit by water and they fall down, they just bob up and they're just bright red. (laughs) (laughs) No! They get close to the top, they're like blue and green. They're like, I'm almost there! (laughs) Or gold. Yeah, a shiny gold. Goldfish. But that's what I have on the Stimson's Gobi. So, for you out there in Podcastia, equip yourself with some new suckers. Stay focused and go against the flow like the goby fish in life, death, and taxonomy. Hello, beautiful listeners. Welcome to the end of season six. Another great season covering all the interesting things that walk, swim, creep, crawl, climb, and wriggle their way across this teal sphere. We want to thank everyone who has helped us to get to where we are today, including my wife, Bibby. Joy and Jamie. Julia. Calvin. And Brian, who supplies us with our amazing episode art. You can find him at his Twitter handle, xnammer. No new reviews this season, but we're hopeful for season seven. We'll be back next week with another 10 animals that find unique and fascinating ways to survive. So tell your friends, leave reviews, and send us measure-ups, please. And we'll see you right here next Tuesday for more interesting animal info here on Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Sweet. podcast <laughs> no new reviews this season <laughs> no new reviews this season okay no new oh why can't i do word and wheel <laughs> wheel <laughs> and we'll see you right here next tuesday for more interesting animal info right here on life death and taxonomy right here right here